Hello and welcome to the Viva Wellness Podcast. My name is Jarrell. I'm Rachel. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, so today, we thought that we would cover a topic that has come up sometimes in our inbox. Um, a lot of people ask us this as therapists. So we wanted to have a conversation with you about how to get started with therapy. And, you know, obviously finding a therapist isn't necessarily the easiest thing. There are different barriers and things that come up for a lot of folks. So we wanted to talk about the process of getting started um, for, and our experiences as therapists um, in connecting with people. So I guess my question, and uh, Rachel, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is, what do you think people need to know? What's the most important thing people need to know about getting started with therapy? So this might be a little saltier than usual because we're still in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, life has changed and not really in the best way. But the first thing that came to mind, and who knows, maybe this would have been my answer regardless, but the first thing that came to mind is that what I think a lot of people don't know is that the process is really awful. Mm -hmm. And that's actually true of finding healthcare providers in general if you are looking for someone who you're going to work with long term. And I think this is why a lot of people don't, don't know this is because when you think about for medical purposes, a lot of people who are lucky enough not to have any ongoing health concerns mm. are just looking for a physical, right? It's somebody you talk to once right. a year, they take your blood, they take your temperature, your blood pressure or whatever. And they're like, yeah, you're still healthy. Cool. Or if you're a woman, it's an OB that's kind of similar. So if you haven't had any real need to work with a healthcare professional, you just, what, go on ZocDoc and find someone close to your apartment or home who has availability or close to work or whatever mm -hmm. website, your insurance website, and then you're like, cool, they sound good. And you don't have really high expectations other than please don't do something insanely inappropriate, like tell people to inject disinfectant. Sorry, like I said, I'm salty today. Right. Um, pandemic problems. Right. But you don't really need to form that relationship with people. And so therapy is often one of the first times that people are actually looking for someone who is going to be there for them long-term and you need to build a connection with, and it's an actual working relationship. So I didn't even necessarily realize this to the fullest extent until I started talking to clients. I know for me, when I have sought out my own therapist, it was annoying, but I manage chronic pain. I've been kind of used to that, that it's not a process but the stories I hear from clients are ridiculous in terms of they reach out to therapists who never email them back or they have one session and the therapist stands them up or falls asleep so I say this not to discourage people from trying because please don't there are competent qualified therapists out there who won't ghost you yeah. but just kind of keep that in mind with both therapy and just general health care that it might take you a while so I say this also to caution you against waiting until the last minute mm -hmm. of, oh, you know, I've been experiencing some depression for months and then something happened that was just the last straw and now I need to see a therapist this week. In a perfect world, that would absolutely be available to you. We don't live in a perfect world. Right. So keep that in mind as you're trying to seek out both therapy and healthcare in general. I'd give yourself, I want to say anywhere from a two to four week cushion of if you wanted to start therapy, let's say on June 1st, I would say start looking now. Mm -hmm. 
it might take you that long. If not, you get a couple extra bonus weeks where you can start sooner. But otherwise, I would say that's definitely the first thing I would tell people to be aware of. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, if you haven't had the opportunity or been required to develop a lot of working relationships with health professionals in the past, then you definitely don't understand, um, like, how the process of finding a provider is. And therapy is such such a personal, I know it sounds weird to say, but, like, the way we practice medicine in, in the States, at least, for the most part, it's relatively impersonal. Um, and so usually you just sort of go, you say, I have X problem, fix this problem. The doctor fixes the problem. And then you go on about your business in theory. Um, obviously if it's ongoing, you go for maintenance and that sort of thing. Um, and so when people start therapy, I think they almost expect a similar kind of exchange. And I guess what I would say is that you know, as Rachel said, it is a relationship, actually. And, you know, that's the biggest part of therapy is the relationship. So it's probably not going to be someone that you're just going to go out to make an appointment, like, just dump things out and then like have all these very specific concrete things that you do and get like this direct advice of treatment, like treatment and therapy looks very different. And so it's important to have someone that you feel like you can actually sit with and talk to um and so yeah it takes i think it takes time to find that person yeah and i think the distinction that you made is true but i'm going to put it like with one caveat to say why i think it's a different experience for people and shout out to all of my chronic illness chronic pain people mm. it's going to be similar to that because i think what a lot of right. people who manage an it's this it's an ongoing relationship this is not a one and done right so if you're talking about building a relationship for someone to be with you through the long haul you need that rapport and yes it's very different than someone just coming in and being like oh i have strep throat right. you have urgent care for that you can go and not even ever remember the doctor's name right but this isn't that at least i'm gonna put a disclaimer a good therapist yeah. should not have it be that and yeah. i say that with a little bit of a grain of salt because I and we as a practice don't believe in telling you what you need therapy to be. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be real with you, you know, going in once as if you had strep throat is probably not going to do that much for you. That's just yeah. not what it is. Very similarly to if you manage a chronic condition and you go in to a doctor once, mm, it's probably not that helpful, right? They don't have as right. much information as they need. You know, maybe it's on an emergency basis. And if you know your condition, you know, you know what to tell a doctor that you need in the short term. But it's an ongoing relationship, which, you know, like I said, I don't think a lot of people until they have to are dealing with in terms of finding a provider. Yeah. So, I mean, we've made several points already that I think we're going to circle back to. But obviously, like one, you should give yourself time. Like, don't wait until the last minute. Two, the process of finding the right person takes a good bit of time. So schedule some lead time to the extent that you can, right? Sometimes stuff happens and you're just like blindsided and you don't know what to do. Um, but other times, if you, as Rachel said, if you've been dealing with some like negative feelings for a while or had these other disruptions, you know, try not to wait till the last minute because, um, it can be difficult to get an appointment on the books, especially for people who 
um, are working, especially for therapists who are working full time um, and have established practices, like sometimes there is a bit of a wait. Um, and so it can be difficult to find appointment slots. So don't wait until the last minute. Yeah, at the same time, I'm going to shame anybody who doesn't fall into this category and get up on a little bit of a soapbox. If you reach out to a therapist or a practice, you should get a response from them in 48 hours. Like that's a hard stop for me. Mm. No exceptions. And if they can't, there should be an out of office message on their email in indicating that, you know, I'm on vacation or I don't like you and I don't want to respond to my email. Hopefully it doesn't say that, but there should be some type of notification 48 hours because the initial response can even just be as simple as I received your email. I'll send you some more information by the end of the week. You should not be waiting that long. Yeah. The reason I say that is both because of my personal venting against, you know, people not at least acknowledging that someone has spoke to them in a professional capacity. Mm -hmm. Obviously different industries are different, different people are different, but this is a healthcare relationship. This is somebody who's reaching out to you potentially in crisis. This is a very personal thing. Please, people should not be making making people wait like a week plus. Please don't do that, because like I said, at the very least, all you have to say is received your email. We'll get back to you with more information. Yeah. The other reason I say this is because while not all therapists are on call, like we're not on call. You can't call me at two three o'clock in the morning. I won't answer. But clients email me all the time for whatever reason, just like, Hey, I want events. You know, this happens a lot during the holidays, ironically, when people are with their family, that they're not usually around and maybe out of town and not getting their usual sessions or just throughout the course of the week, they have a question or short emails, right? Client sent me something really funny yesterday and I greatly appreciated that. But you want someone who's there for you as a person that you can reach out to. Obviously there are boundaries, don't take advantage, but I assume reasonable, pe reasonable people do not. But you want someone who's going to respond to you and be present for you. If you have a session and then a day later, you have a question or you want to get clarification on something or you wanna just share your feelings because you think they're going to be more raw and authentic in that moment versus waiting a week, you, should have somebody that's going to answer you because otherwise that's just a very one-sided, very disjointed, not compassionate, not authentic relationship you're building. Yeah. So I'm stepping off the soapbox now. That's it. That's all I have to say about that. You didn't make the sound. I know. That's your thing. You did it the other time. Did I? Yes, you did it well, once. My, my actual concern is that my desk is not that big and if I hit it, I don't know. It's an Ikea desk and the box gonna collapse. pops out. So like, I don't, yeah, or like I'm gonna knock something off the desk. I don't know. This is not the soapbox I'd like to destroy my furniture <laughs> for. So maybe later. All right, fair enough. Um, I think those are all good points. I think as I was thinking about this and, and listening to you, I was also thinking about like, with that, like when you when you decide to start the process, right? I think it's helpful to have some idea that that you like want to address, or some. It could be very broad, right? But to get started, you know, just like you go to any other health professional, like they, you know, you go to the doctor and you say, like, I need a health screening or I need an STI test. They do a very specific thing. I think while therapy can be a lot broader, and I think it's at its best when it's that way, 
I, I think it is helpful to come in with some kind of idea of like, oh, like this is why I'm reaching out. Like what, why therapy or like why now? Um, and so I think that as people are thinking about reaching out to someone, even saying something as broad as like, I don't know, I just haven't been feeling good. Um, and I'd like to talk to someone about it. Cool, great, fine. You get into the details and the nuance of that. Um, but you might also have like a more specific goal. Uh, I don't know, something like, you know, I, I just experienced a breakup and I need some support because like it's been really difficult, maybe more difficult than I thought. And I need to find an, a pathway forward. Perfectly fine too. Um, yeah. Or, you know, like I deal with anxiety. I had a panic attack or I've been having panic attacks and I need to speak to someone about it so I can make this better. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll add to that to say that why that's also important in addition to just it guides the conversation is that some therapists don't treat certain situations or mm-hmm. issues. Just like some doctors, like you you can't go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor and say, you know, I want to get pregnant. Right. So like, Congratulations, but you're in the wrong place. Right. So being clear also helps somebody potentially guide you to a better place to find the help you need mm-hmm. rather than being way too vague or not sharing and then taking the time scheduling going back and forth sitting in, in your first session and then realizing oh this therapist doesn't treat OCD or doesn't have experience with eating disorders I have to start this all over again right so it's just not it's not a good look that's ex- that's especially frustrating so mm-hmm. it's just good to have as much information at the ready as possible and share what you feel comfortable sharing. That being said, you don't need to divulge the details of your life in an email. You can just say exactly what you said, Jarrell. Hey, I'm not feeling that great right now. There's a lot of different life issues popping up, but that is also very different than saying, oh, I don't feel that great because I've had a relapse of my eating disorder. So I think the takeaway here is that if there is something specific, you should share that. Like, hey, I haven't been feeling great, like I said, because I'm an alcoholic and I relapsed. Or, you know, I really just broke up with my boyfriend and he was abusive. That's very different than just having a hard time managing a breakup. If there's a key piece of information, share that. And that's not to say that, you know, again, it's very different to say, I need somebody who specializes in eating disorders because that's what is actively going on for me versus, I just want my therapist to know I have a history. So right. just share the information that you think is relevant and ask questions on anything that you want to make sure there's some type of knowledge base in. or other, And otherwise, you can just let it come out as it comes out as you start meeting with people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to that point, I think that at this point, most therapists offer like some sort of free consultation. Usually it's pretty brief, um, maybe about 15 minutes or so. So like you can send an initial email or um, a voicemail or whatever. And then like, if you have that consultation, um, then you can say a little bit more, right? So if your initial reach out is like, oh, I just went through a breakup. It's really hard. I need some help. Cool. Then maybe you get on the phone and have that consultation. You say like, oh, like, so this is what happened. Like we just broke up two weeks ago. Um, I haven't re- really been eating well since then. And like, I haven't seen my friends. So then that person, then therapist gets a little bit more detail. Um, and then, you know, once you start therapy, that might look like looking actually into the whole relationship and, and like what happened and all those details and nuance. But um, I say all that just to say that 
take advantage of those consultations, right? So whether that's a free 15 minutes or not, um, if and or if it's over the phone or via email, if you want to ask questions before you get started, take advantage of that. That's why it's there. It's there so you don't waste your time. It's there so that you do find a really good fit. Uh, and then you don't have to restart all the, the entire process all over again because that's really defeating. And when you're already having a really hard time, the last thing that you need is to like do it all over again. Yeah, and I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate there in, t in terms of if you don't need it because you've done therapy before, you really right. relate to their bio, that you found online, that they're really close to your work and that's what you need and you, you know anything else is whatever, you don't need anybody that specializes in anything, it's also fine to skip that. The thing I would say is that don't not ask questions that you have. If you don't have any right. questions, that's fine too. Like don't get on the phone and say nothing. I find that annoying and you probably find that annoying too. Right. So just take it as what do I need to get out of this conversation or lack of conversation in order mm -hmm. to feel comfortable starting and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, it could be like uh, most of the time, or maybe not most of the time, but a lot of the times, a lot of what like people talk, what I end up talking about is just like administrative things, right? They, they've already said, this is the issue I'm kind of coming in with and I'll give them a rundown of like, okay, so this is like, this is where we're located. This is the cost. This is like what, this is how we do billing. This is how we do our intake information and process. And it just gives people like the lay of the land. And again, like Rachel said, if you're familiar with the process, then you probably need a lot less of that. And you can just say like, nope, let's just schedule. I'll be there. And then you go about your business. Um, but yeah, if you do have questions, make sure to ask them because that's that opportunity um, before you invest a lot more time to just get some clarification on things. Yeah, definitely. I would say anything you need to ask that would determine whether or not you want to get started, ask that and anything else can just be, you know, in session when you're actually talking to a person directly. Yeah. Face yeah. Um, I think one of the things that comes up most often is how do you find a good therapist? <laughs> and which is like an interesting question. Cause like, what is a good therapist? which we've already talked about a little bit. Obviously we think we're pretty good therapists. Um, but I think it's just the idea of people wanna know like, where do you go to look? Like, how do you, how do you connect with them? What's the best way to reach out? What, do you, what would you offer to someone, Rachel, who was asking you that question? I think it depends on what you need out of it, what you're looking for and how experienced you are with finding a healthcare professional in general. Mm. if you've been to therapy before, if you know that you just want somebody who's conveniently located to you, specializes in X, Y, and Z things, might be someone around your age or older or a woman or a man, and you just kind of know the criteria, I'd say go on a site like Psych Today or Good Therapy and find somebody. Mm. Put your insurance if, you, if you're looking for billing through insurance and just find somebody. It doesn't have to be that straightforward because I think a lot of the rapport is what you're going to find if you do a phone consult or right. if you meet them in person, right? You know, you're not going to entirely get all that from their bio. Yeah. If you are newer to therapy, I would say seek out maybe like full practices that have an informational website rather than just a single person and sometimes single people have that, but that you can get a little bit more feel from the vibe of the organization or the practice in general. You can use a site 
that helps you find a therapist, I would do word of mouth or reaching out to multiple people at a time to see who has kind of the best rapport once they do contact you. I think it just really depends on, like I said, what you're looking for and how extensive you want the search process to be. Mm. Um, Because I think to some extent, very similar to any healthcare professional, you're really not going to know until you speak with them. And sometimes you can't know until you speak with them a few times. Sometimes you'll know on the phone. Sometimes you'll know via email. But I think it just depends on your comfort level and how experienced you are. And to some extent, the answer comes from you just got to do it. Like, you'll know it when you find it. Yeah. And you'll know it if you don't feel right about it. And if you don't feel right about it, it's okay to lean into that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm such a researcher when it comes to stuff. Like, whenever, I, even if I'm just shopping for something menial online, I do like research on it and I kind of look at it like finding a provider is a a similar kind of process, especially if they're new to you or like the the idea is new to you, the service is new to you. Um, So yeah, I think that finding, you know, searching for, uh, you know, you can even search on Google if you want to look for people in your area or people who specialize in certain things. So you might search for, like people in our area f- might find us from searching like Brooklyn Wellness um, Holistic or or just by searching our name, Viva Wellness, right? Um, if they already know about us. It, it, you can search with like your, the, the what you're looking for, like therapy or counseling and your zip code, right? And you're gonna, Google's gonna give you the listing of people in your area. Um, and so I think if you're looking you know, outside of your, if you're not on your insurance website, I think just Googling is a good place to start. And also maybe just putting in what you're actually looking for. So if you're looking for um, a woman therapist, like those are pretty easy to find. So you probably won't have to search far. Um, But if you're looking for a male therapist, then maybe you type in male therapist in your zip code or therapy for men or therapy for new mothers. Um, So you can search for these with these sort of keywords uh, and that will help you find, you know, a listing of people in your area that you're, uh, that you could be looking for. But I think also looking at, as Rachel said, looking at people's websites, looking at businesses' websites, practice websites, look and see like what the vibe and the feel is, right? And, and, and see if that fits for you just from like an imagery and a marketing standpoint. Like if you need someone who's really down to earth and you want it to be like a very easy, comfortable conversation, if you go to their website and it is very like corporate, probably not going to be a good fit for you. Like that's not to say that it couldn't work, but may not be ideal. And so looking at those things, looking at if this provider has like um, public social media stuff, right? Or does things like a podcast or has a blog, all this sort of stuff. Like you can look into that, research into that and see if you can get a little bit of a vibe and a feel uh, for who they are. And, you know, that can give you a lot of information as you prepare to reach out to them and maybe have that consult initially. Yeah, from, I agree with everything you said, but I'm also going to double down on that idea of it's really dependent on how much experience you have with finding a therapist. Because as mm-hmm. you said, with the research situation mm-hmm. and finding a 
provider, in my head, the first thing was like, yeah, that's because you haven't tried to buy headphones 227 times in your life. The research goes down a little bit because you know more of what you're looking for. Sure. And I think that's something too, like if you're somebody who you're in your mid thirties and you've been in therapy since high school, your research process is going to be less intensive because yeah. you've been there. You know, you probably have a really exact idea of what you're looking for and what you need and specifically what questions to ask. I know anytime I see any type of provider for the chronic pain I've managed for most of my life, like it's quick. I got three questions this is what I want to know. Are you going to mm -hmm. do this? Are you going to do this? Okay, cool. We're done. That's yeah. it. It's like, it's a very short process. Whereas when I first started finding people to work with, it was much longer. Right. So I'm going to really emphasize that it's going to depend on how new you are to the process. And if you are new, it's perfectly fine to take your time. And mm -hmm. if you're not new, you don't need to do all of the bells and whistles. If right. you're good and you're like, I just need to move forward. I've done this before. Let, let's go. I'm ready. Yeah. But the other thing I will add that is, you also mentioned, and we've said it before, I need to get back on the soapbox that I'm not going to bang my desk for and talk about insurance. So this is another misconception I think people have is that insurance for therapy, and, and this is outpatient talk therapy. This isn't substance abuse services. This isn't an uh, um, outpatient clinic that you might go to for a specific diagnosis or support group. This is just general talk therapy for life stuff. You might have some heavy things come up from your past or that you're battling like depression or anxiety, but it's general kind of outpatient one-on-one -on -one talk therapy. Insurance does not work the same for that as it does for going to your doctor for a physical. And I always think it's really a shame that therapists don't explain why because from the client's perspective I absolutely understand why you're like what the hell my insurance works for this and this and you're not taking my insurance like why do I even have insurance like what good is it mm -hmm. and I've even had clients who have reached out to us and we say hey we don't have any insurance slots and they say okay I'm gonna look for someone in network and a couple months later they circle back and they're like couldn't find anyone in network can you still help me so a brief little history on this is that how insurance billing works for a primary care physician is that they are, first of all, booking more than one client or patient every 45 minutes, which is obviously we can't do therapy with more than one person at a time. Um, I don't think you would like that if we were in a therapy session and then halfway through somebody like walked in and sat down and we're like, okay, I'm just going to do once now, like no big deal. Right. So there's that. The other thing is insurance billing works by codes. So there's codes for different services. So the only code that we can put in as therapists is therapy. It's therapy, one code, 45 minutes, and then they pay us a fee. And more on that in a second. Doctors can enter in the same time period. Note they're also seeing multiple people, multiple different codes. So anything they talk to you about, there's a code for if they mention your nutrition. There's a code if they draw your blood. There's a code if they check your lung function. There's a code if you talk to them about headaches. So they're billing all of these things in the shorter period of time, thus making them more money, thus creating a space to have more insurance billable people.
Yeah. I said we were putting pause on the fee thing. The other thing is insurance companies and the world don't value mental health services to the same degree as they value anything else. And healthcare is still a mess in this country. I give all my love to doctors, especially those in outpatient primary care, because it's a mess for them too. But they pay us half, 60% of what our standard fee is. They don't come close to matching it. So it's not like we charge X amount of money if you pay out of pocket, but if we took insurance, they would also reimburse us that and we just don't want to go through insurance. We're talking half the fee, approximately, give or take maybe five to 10%. We can only do so many of those before we can't pay our rent. So I would love to have all insurance clients if we got reimbursed the same fee, because I think that it's accessible, it allows more people to have services, but I also like to eat and we like to have an office to do mm-hmm. therapy in, mm-hmm. so we can't. We offer sliding scale fees, which is out of pocket pay, but you know more than insurance would pay us, but less than our standard fee, and so we help people who might need that financial support. We have flexible scheduling and everyone should have flexible scheduling. Maybe that's a pin for later but we allow to make it as workable as possible. But that's why a lot of therapists don't take insurance. It's not because we hate you right. or because we just want to you know, make you spend all of your hard-earned money to, in order to get any type of support. It's that we can't. Mm-hmm. And until that changes, a lot of therapists are either gonna opt out of insurance or have a limited number of slots. Yeah. So you know, this isn't a like, woe is us kind of conversation, it's just, more information to share with everyone that we're both in the same boat. Like nobody likes the situation, mm-hmm. but be prepared for that. Now you know why it's not because we're just all assholes, but this is the reason why a lot of therapists are not offering as much insurance availability as in theory they could. So just prepare for that. Ask for sliding scale fees, you know, get some flexibility in terms of how much you're willing to spend. A lot of therapists offer assistance with out-of-network reimbursement, and some insurance companies will reimburse you part of the fee. But also keep in mind, if you are absolutely unable to afford therapy outside of your copay, understandable, Mm -hmm. life is expensive, Mm -hmm. just know it's probably going to take a little bit longer, and you might have to be more flexible with some of your specifications when you're looking for a therapist, like location or time of day, or you you might want to see somebody who ideally specializes in anxiety and depression, maybe you got to drop one of those. It's a crappy situation and I'm with you, but it is what it is. And so just something to be aware of. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we could probably end up doing several episodes just on insurance. So, um, that's all. So you need you for that. Huh? I don't even need you for that episode. I know. (laughs) Um, so I think that, I think you said a lot. And so I just want to break one piece down a little bit further because I think it's a new, maybe like a new idea to people. And that's the concept of a sliding scale. So just to break that down a little bit further, what that actually means is like every therapist has their set fee for like a 45, 50 or 60 minute session, depending on how they schedule their time. There's a set fee. When someone says they offer sliding scale options, what that generally means is, is that if you cannot afford their full session fee, whatever their normal fee is, they can work with you and offer you a lower fee. Um, 
a lot of people, and I think it's part of like, this is another thing about maybe like our country, our culture and society is that we're also very uncomfortable talking about money. And I think especially within the realm of healthcare and maybe you're just also just used to using insurance and you only have to pay your copay. So you don't really know the details of your plan and that sort of thing. Um, but the essentially it's the thing to do is like, if you get quoted a price and you say, whoa, like that's more than I thought, or I think that's more than I can afford. Or even if you see it on a website or a directory page that says, this is their fee. Don't let that be the one thing that stops you from reaching out because many therapists also offer these sliding scale slots in their schedules because they know there are going to be some people who can't afford their normal session fee and that's okay. So all you have to do is really ask, you know, they say their fee or you see it listed somewhere. You say, when you reach out, say like, you know, I'm having a hard time financially or like this isn't within my budget based on what I saw. Can you do, can you work with me? Nine times out of 10, that therapist is going to do what they can to meet you where you need to be. Okay, I have another soapbox. Sorry, this is now me just like ranting. Mm. No one minds. I think it's providing helpful information, but I'm biased. So yes to everything you said. But I'm going to add something that people should look for in terms of two things with the sliding scale fees. Because mm -hmm. you mentioned if you can't afford their standard fee. Mm -hmm. And as a disclaimer, Viva Wellness as a practice is both of the things I'm going to insist everyone in the world do. <laughs> However, most people do not. Mm. <laughs> Hence my rant. You shouldn't have to share specific personal details of your financial situation in order to get a sliding scale fee. Mm -hmm. Think about this for a second. Here's this person you've never met mm -hmm. or you've only spoken to via phone or email, so you've met electronically. And you say to them, I can't pay your fee, which for the record can range anywhere from like $100 to $400. Yeah. But you say, I can't pay your fee. I can afford X instead. And they say, okay, here's my sliding scale and here's the information you need to provide in order to qualify for a lower fee. And that information are, is like pay stubs and bank statements and all of these. What? No, <laughs> I'm not sending my pay stub or my bank statement to this person that I've spoken to for a grand total of 10 minutes. Right. That's crazy to me. And at the same time, what a weird way to start a relationship that actually should be very close and very personal and very compassionate. Yeah. Prove you're not a liar. Right. That's All essentially right. what you're saying. Yeah. We're off to a good start. So I'm going to toot our own horn a little bit here. What we do at Viva Wellness is we have a range that we're comfortable with. In order to keep the lights on and keep me fed, which is super important, we can go as low <laughs> as this range up to our standard fee. Yeah. So we're comfortable with anything in there. That's what we're offering. We won't go lower. We won't go higher, but anything in there, we can keep the lights on and keep me in lots of carbs with these fees. Mm -hmm. You as a client, tell me what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. If you tell me it's the low end, I'm not questioning you. If you tell me it's $5 less than the standard fee, wonderful. I'm taking you at your word. And I make the joke all the time and everyone still laughs. So apparently this is not a bad joke where I say, if I find out you're related to Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos, we'll have a different conversation. Mm -hmm. But for now, I'm going to take you at your word that you can afford X amount versus Y amount. Mm -hmm. And the other reason, aside from let's not make people share invasive personal information before we sit down in the same room is $50,000 a year, let's say. Mm -hmm 
means something very different to different people. $50,000 for a single parent in New York City raising two kids is an incredibly different situation than someone who's single and lives in their parents' apartment. Yeah. Those are two very different incomes. And so yeah. at that point, what am I saying? The number obviously is arbitrary. Mm -hmm. So then what? I'm going to make you also tell me everything you spend your money on. So I, no, my head Ridiculous. is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't want to do that, right? I don't care. Yeah. So low end, high end, comfortable with anything. This, we've calculated it based on how much money we need to take in to keep our business going. We're good. So that's number one. You know, if somebody tells you that you need to send all kinds of insane information and justify your choices to them, um, you know, everyone's different. You do you. I don't think that should be happening. Don't set a sliding scale fee that's so low you can't take people at it. Right. That's a good point. So that's number one. Number two, the other way to help people combat this is that we say, hey, you can also come every other week instead, right? So if you're at the low end of the sliding scale fee and paying that, let's say four times a month still seems crazy, but paying it twice a month seems much more doable. Have at it. Let's go twice a week. Yeah. Sure. Or a month. Right. Or, or yeah, twice a month. Or <laughs> twice a week. You can do that too. That's yeah. not really an affordability thing, but if you right. want twice a week, have at it. Yeah. Or even once a month. Right. So yes, to any therapist listening to this and it, uh, who is about to yell at me, yes, there are studies that show that it is most effective for someone to at least in the beginning come once a week. Mm -hmm. However, twice a month is better than nothing. Yep. And why are you having someone take on a financial burden that they can't afford on yep. principle? Because now it's something that stresses them out. It's counterproductive to the process. Right. What is the point of going to therapy if it's just going to add more stress? Yep. <laughs> purpose. So that's number one. If Even if you push them into doing it, they're going to be stressed about it. Number two, they're probably not going to go. Yep. So twice a month is better than no times a month. Yep. And the other part of it is if someone says, I think I would be good with twice a month therapy or once a week therapy or twice a week therapy or once a month therapy, who am I to tell them they're wrong? Yeah. I don't know them. <laughs> okay, cool. We can always change that, right? If you get started and you're like, oh, I feel like I have just too much to say and not enough time. Great. Let's figure out a way for you to maybe come once a week every so often. Or if you're like, you know what, I understand that it might be a slower process, but like, I really can't afford it. I don't have the time in my schedule. Okay. Twice a month, once a month, you do you. Why are we telling people what works for them with their own healthcare? How do we know better? If someone says, I hear you on all the information, but I think twice a month is best for me, we're arguing with this. That's also a terrible way to start this relationship. So don't yeah. even try. Yeah. That's a good point. Thank you. A lot of good points. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that it's important to keep all these things in mind. And I think that it can be really intimidating, right, to reach out to someone, to reach out to a therapist. Um, part of the reason why we do some of the work that we do for like the podcast, for the blog, social media, all that stuff is to humanize the process and reduce some of that stigma to see that like we're actually people. Um, you know, it doesn't have to feel like you're showing up to the principal's office and getting like admonished for this bad relationship choice that you made. It's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be a, a, a welcoming, compassionate relationship, as Rachel said. And so it's kind of hard to feel that 
when you feel like before you even get in the door, you have to show up in these very specific ways, right? You have to schedule this often. You have to pay this fee that's out of your price range. You have to do X, Y, and Z. Like that's, that's not okay. And so, you know, I think along with all the things that we're saying, it's just important to keep in mind that you trust your intuition about like the vibe and the energy, right? Um, you can get a, a little bit of a feel about who this person is and how they're going to show up in the therapy space with you based on your initial interactions. And, you know, if you reach out to someone and you, it's just like the initial communication is kind of off, then like let it drop off, focus on someone else. There's no pressure here. And it's really about finding the best match, the best option for you, because this is someone you're going to be sitting in a room with for at least probably like 45 minutes at a time talking about really difficult, challenging aspects of your life. And that's a big deal. And so finding someone who fits well with you is really, really important. Yeah, I have seen a lot of medical providers, some therapists. And while I didn't fall in love with everyone right away, because that's just not how this works. Yeah. I've never been wrong about a bad feeling within the first interaction or two or yeah. three. I've never been wrong. If I get a bad vibe within the first appointment or the first phone call or the first email exchange, I've never been wrong. It always, it always turned out badly. Mm -hmm. And it takes a long time to learn to listen to that, especially yeah. listen, when you're seeking any type of healthcare, you're in a really vulnerable position. Yes, It's hard. You're reaching out to a stranger for help in a way that you actually don't even really know if they're helping you in the right way. Cause right. what do you know, right? Right. So if the vibe is off, I'd go with that. Just allow this to serve as permission to, like Gerald said, let it go. It's been years. And as I said, I've never been wrong. So. Yeah. And to that point, I just want to add that if kind of to what Rachel mentioned earlier is that if you reach out and someone's like, okay, I need you to schedule for the next uh, 12 weeks and this is going to be our time. Don't do it. Unless nope. you're sure, don't do it. I would say don't do that anyway. I yeah, I know, but you can't be sure, right? Life happens. Right. right. So it just it needs to fit in your life. It needs yeah. to be an addition to your life rather than something that is another stressor, another thing you have to do. Yes, it takes commitment. You have to be present and willing to show up and willing to do the work and make it a priority. But at the same time, you can absolutely reschedule a therapy appointment because you got concert tickets to your favorite band. Mm -hmm. That should be fine, especially mm -hmm. if you're giving advance notice. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and every, and every good therapist, when you first reach out to them, when you have your initial session, they're going to say, you know, I want to let you know that if you like to continue, let's go ahead and schedule. If you don't, that's okay. Let me give you some resources to think about on the next step of your journey. Like that is part of our ethical code in the way that we are supposed to act professionally. So if you get a vibe that's like off and you decide that, you know, this person isn't the right one for you, move on. Like they, if they take it personally, that's not your problem. They shouldn't take it personally, but it's not your problem. Like do what works best for you. They can take it personally, just, you know, away from you. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, <laughs> you don't need to care. It's right. not your business, right? And um, honestly, you know, not to say that I'm not upset, or I shouldn't say upset, 
sad because I, I like my clients. So yeah. if someone tells me they need a break or want to take a break or want to go mm-hmm. a different direction, I'm like, oh man, I don't get to see you. Yeah. But that should kind of be the extent of it. Yeah. Because we're professionals. We should, we understand that that happens and where there's some that are, you know, a bigger bummer than others. I've had clients that I really loved, but they moved away and I was sad. I was like, well, yeah. do you have to move? Like, could you rethink your life decisions? <laughs> right. Right. And so I think that's also something to remember too, is that, you know, you might not find out till the end, but that's something to be mindful of if that a therapist, you know, self-disclosure is helpful, especially when it relates to something you're going through and allows you to get to know them a little bit better to seem like people, but it should never be about them in the room. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that brings us to a good stopping point. I feel like we, I don't know, it feels like we covered so much yet also so little. (laughs) That's how it feels to me. Um, Huh? I said, I get that. Yeah, like it's because I think therapy is such a weird process and there's so many different dynamics and layers to consider. But nonetheless, uh, Rachel, do you have any final kind of notes that you want to make sure that people walk away from this conversation with? No, but I think what's true in what you just said, to piggyback onto that, the reason why it feels so informational but also not is that like anything, especially in healthcare and with wellness, there is no one right way or right answer. Yeah. There is no clear set path that everyone should follow. And that is the correct way of doing something, including finding a therapist. And so I would also say both in your search to find a potential therapist and in general, if there is anyone that tells you that there is run far away mm-hmm. as fast as possible, get on a scooter like get away from that. <laughs> They're very popular now. That is, that's a thing people are still using, right? I saw. Oh yeah, father, it's a thing. I saw a father and his kid in the rain in a scooter today, on a scooter today. I hate it. I'm just saying. I mean, it was fine. So it was a little better than like on the street. Right. But I just really questioned and was really inspired by hopefully what was this little girl's dedication to riding her scooter that mm. she was doing it in the cold rain and it wasn't the father being like you're going to ride your scooter regardless of weather right. i choose to believe it's the former yeah 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 so we hope that you know you gain some insight from today's episode we hope that it helps you on your search um, if you're looking for a therapist or if you're looking for a new therapist um, as always, feel free to reach out to us, ask us questions. Um, this, this episode was actually inspired by a question that we got. Um, and so we hope to answer more of your questions. Feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at vivawellnessnyc.com. You can catch us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at vivawellnessnyc. I am at Rachel Gersten if you want to reach me directly. Yeah, and I am also at Jarell Carabello. Feel free to reach out to us. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.